You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So yeah, that was very relevant in the time of, of, of the Mishnah and the Gemara. It was relevant because people drank, and instead of like I have here some leftover coffee, you might have a Perrier in your hand or, or something, or, or orange juice. But in those days, they drank wine, and they drank wine consistently, um, similar to the way things were in France. Uh, things are still in France. And therefore, there was a problem in terms of every afternoon after they had had their lunchtime meal, were they in any state of mind to Pascha Neshaila, to be Poseka or were they in any state of mind to be able to be Tadavan Milcha, which could be uh, fa- rising fast upon them. So, we needed eight So let's see what the eight is. The Gemara says, Amar Rami Bar-Abba. Rami Bar-Abba said, Derech Mil Ushena. Okay? Shena, we know what that is, right? Sleeping. Derech Mil is walking a mill. Derech, of course, is the road of a mill. Mill is 2,000 amas. An amal is about a foot and a half. 2,000 amas is three and a half thousand feet. So it's about a little bit over a half a mile. So walking a half a mile or sleeping, and look at these next two words, kol shuhu, a small amount of sleeping. Either one of those, mefigin etayayim. Now, you can understand what the Shoresh here is. Pag. Pag is something that, like, like it didn't develop, as you know, in modern Hebrew. But it also means it, 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 it restrains it. it. It stops it from developing. Mesigim, right? It, 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 or something that was there is now, come in, come in. Something that was there is now changed. Something that was there, come here. Something that was there is now different. So it doesn't have the power that it had before. It doesn't have the power that it had before. That's mefigin. Mefigin etayayim. Okay, so now we know that walking and sleeping has a power to suppress the wine. And now you would be able to daven, and you would be able to paskanishayim. Um, I should tell you in this vein, um, they say that uh, the great Sadiq of Shmuel Salanter, uh, who was the Rav of Yerushalayim, would always have a very quick Seder, uh, a Pesach. Uh, you know, many people have very long starim, right? We know, uh, like in the, in the Haggadah itself, it talks about those that they stayed up the whole night till the Talmudim came. Rav Shmuel Salanter, as the Rav of Yerushalayim, was worried that nobody would be able to be paskening Shiloh that would come up. Because at every home, every Talmud Chacham would be sitting at the Seder and drinking the wine and wouldn't be able to paskin. So he would actually um, have a quick Seder and go to, and take a nap. And this way, he'd be able to be up in the evening for anyone that needed any questions that would come up in Yerushalayim. In the old city there, or wherever it was, or in the new, in the, in the Yishuv connected to it, where Shmuel Salanta was. So that is a, 
just to show you that they took this idea seriously, Udi. The idea that sleep can change them. Okay? So, but however, so that was Rami Bar Abba. Now, you know, part of what this class is about is trying to figure out what's leading into what. what what's the first step? What's the second step? So Rami Bar Abba seems to be a very early opinion. I, he's not a mission or a writer. But look at this. Amar Rav Nachman, Amar Rabba Baradua, Lo Shonu. Lo Shonu is, again, a key Gemara phrase. Lo Shonu means, and it always, usually is Lo Shonu Elo. This was only taught, this was taught only with this consideration. Lo Shonu Elo. What was taught about how this could cure drunkenness Lo shanu, that was only taught. Ella, only in a case. That what was the amount that the person imbibed? A revit. Now, you know, there's a discussion about how much is a revit. Um, Rav Moshe Feinstein says it's about 2.2 ounces. He did that. Uh, he and his son figured that out when they did a, uh, a test. Uh, they put the uh, egg displacement in water because it's the amount that gets displaced of liquid that gets displaced by an egg. And they put the egg in the water and that was the amount uh, that got displaced was 2.25 uh, ounces. So that's a revit according to that sheet. So some say uh, the chazanish is I think 5.2 ounces, almost double that. Still, it's not a lot. But if you, and, and again, it could be this was only true in the time of Hazal. But let's see what it says. That's only if you drank a day revit. Avoshata, you'll tear me revit. If a person drank more than a revit, koshkein shederech tordato. But the derech is toledoto, tordato. Um, Vishena, and what will happen if you, so derech tordato, we've explained, to mean the derech will actually cause more tirdot. And like I said, a tird is something that, that happens when you don't, you, you don't feel a hundred percent, um, on top of things. You have to, you have to do a lot of things and, but your brain is sort of like, um, firing in the wrong signal and like, oh, I'm just, I have such tirdas. It's, it's, it's activity that's overwhelming you because of everything that's going on. And you're not thinking straight. That's when you say, I have tirdot. I'm torud. Right? I, 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 therefore, I can't really devote my mind the way I should. Happened to me yesterday. I had to go pick up my wife from, um, from Delaware. You saw us walking today. I brought her back. And I had, and the, I took the dog with us and the dog needed to now use the bathroom and the dog. So I was unpacking the stuff. The minute the dog got out, I needed to take the dog for the walk. And the dog was having some problems in what it needed to do. So I needed to bring the dog home and clean the dog off. And I, mm-hmm. and I had, I had all this stuff unpacking. And I couldn't find the keys to the new rent the car that we just were renting because because the other car got in an accident. And oh I, so I was like, Torrent. Now, the jobs were not that hard. Putting the dog on top of the table 
You can see she's right here, by the way. Putting the dog on top of the table and 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 cleaning her, which was disgusting enough as it was. And then I had stuff on the inside that I had unpacked, and then I couldn't find the keys. Where were the keys now? And I and now I was more tired <laughs> because then uh, I, I I called the rental company. Uh, you know, they had a, on my phone. They gave me the oh. contract. And it's going to cost $60 to come open the car. Okay, then I called AAA. Okay, they're going to come. Anyway, at the end, I found the keys on a stand near where I started to clean the dog up. So that's an example of Tirda. I just had it. None of those jobs were really difficult. But but my state, returning from a, a four-hour trip where I was nervous about using the bathroom anywhere because of Corona, then having to take the dog and having the dog uh, be in that state that she was, then having to bring the dog back home and clean the dog. And she's all, you know, she's not like a chihuahua. She has a lot of fur. You can imagine. And then no, nowhere. Problem, yeah. We have a, we, have, we just get Ruby and her, and her touch. But she gets too much hair in the behind and, and she gets like dingleberry. That's right. Uh, so it's, it's and, and, and then you feel like, can I believe I'm doing this? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I have to do it. I can't believe I'm doing it. So what I'm giving you is an example of how tirda affects you mentally. So in the same way, Udi, when you're drinking and you're walking, the walk actually makes your brain worse. The walk actually adds to the tirda that's in your brain because where you're at. So the fact that you have to walk and put one foot in front of the other makes it worse. Let's take a look at the next line. Vishena Mishakato. Actually, if you go to sleep, they say sleep it off. But if, if you've already put that much booze into you or wine, the sleep actually deepens the drunkenness. Now, obviously, if we're talking about, like I told you about Rashmul Salanter and others, they say, oh, I'm going to go to sleep for a couple of minutes. Let me and we saw before in the Gemara Udi that it was kol shuhu, shena kol shuhu, a small amount. Okay? So let's assume it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Like, let me lie down for 10 minutes. Right. If you're drunk and you lie down for 10 minutes, it's going to actually make more concrete your state of drunkenness. That's what Rav Nachman is teaching us. So, Shana Mishakrato, and therefore don't, so this is only if you drink um, moderately. Now, even moderate drinking, um, right, even moderate drinking, uh, in other words, uh, five ounces, up to five ounces, that'll work. If you go past five ounces, then I don't, we don't know if we have a way out for you. Um, and again, we talk about the night of the Seder. Rashmul Salant drank four Revias. So, not sure exactly, uh, if, 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 you know, how he was able to sleep and, and, and take care of everything. Because according to this, that story would be difficult. Okay. Um, all right. So that is what we saw so far is Rami Bar Abba with a qualification of Rav Nachman. Okay? So, now, if you take a look here, this is the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 
10, the 10th line. So now the Gemara says, Vinderech mil lafiga hayayin. Now, what, how did I know to read it that way? If you, I read it with a question in my, you heard the wilt of a question in my voice. Vinderech mil Okay, let me explain it better. Let's read the words. Derech mil mefiga hayayin. Now, we already said over here, Derech Mil does that, right? Why would the Gemara repeat itself and say, Derech Mil Mephiga Hayayin? It would be, that would be strange for the Gemara to just repeat what it just said. All right? Another reason why, if you look at the next word, is Vahatanya. That means we're quoting a source. And now, as you can see, Udi, the next line starts with Maisebet. And and, and, and and this is always a story, Masa, and this is a story about a person. So you probably can guess who this person is. Beis, Reish, Gimel, Rosh Tevot. Who would be the Maisa bit? Reish, Gimel. Very good. Very good. Very good, Udi. Rav Gamliel. Maisa bit, Rav Gamliel. So this is a story about Rav Gamliel. Now, you know the Rav Gamliel was a Tana. You've learned enough with me and other people who have been listening here know that yeah. especially the title Rabban Gamliel. He's not a Rav Gamliel. He's a Rabban. And Rabban means like he was at a time that the Beit HaMikdash stood or right after the destruction when there still was like a functioning Sanhedrin in Eretz Yisrael. And the person who sat at the head of that was called Rabban you had Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai, who took over after the Korban. Rabban Gamliel, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel. Those are all Rabbans. So Rabban Gamliel, um, and it was either, there were two of them that were well-known, but they were Tanayim. So obviously, this, if it's a story from a Tana, that's a question on these people. Rami Baraba is an Amora. And you, you remember when you used to learn with that, that an Amora normally does not contradict the Tana. And if there's something from a Tana, that could wipe out what the Amora was trying to say, or he needs to somehow find another Tana that he could hide under or disagree with or re-explain whatever you're asking. That's the dynamic generally of the way the Talmud works, is that the Amora makes a statement, and then we question it. So this is so. If that's true, when I see the uh, uh, when I see the statement of Atana, so I go back to the line before, and it tells me that this is a question, and this is the build up to the question. It's not a statement. Are you going to tell me that if a person walks a mill, he didn't drink five ounces, he drank only less than five ounces. He didn't get more than a revit. But are you going to say that walking a mill can pag, can um, subsume or uh, neutralize, uh, squelch the power of wine? I'm going to, Tanya, we learn in a b'risa. That's what Tanya is. And this is a quote from the b'risa. 
Okay, so I knew it was a brisa Udi from this word, Tanya. Mm-hmm. I, I also knew it was a brisa from what you from what you told me that it's Rabban Gamliel. So that I know it's from an early source. Where is the brisa? If you want to look it up, so you see this bit in Rashi script that takes you up here, bit Tosef the Psachim. So Tosef the Psachim is obviously that is uh, uh, that is the it didn't get into the Mishnah, but it's 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 material that's as old or older than the Mishnah. So since it's old material, it's definitive material, and therefore we need to uh, see it. Now, unlike many brightos that are very straightforward, this one's going to take a while till we get to the question. All right, I've re- I've learned it already. So, so what you need to do is okay. You get your ears ready and say, okay, I'm ready for the question. Let me let me hear what the question is. And remember, it's going to be an attack on the Amora who said Rami Baraba that if you walk, it takes away your state of Stupor, S-T-U-P-O-R, and allows you clarity to be able to daven and paskan So we're going to see from this story that it's not, it's not the case. But let's see. So Masa Birab Gamliel, Shoyrochev Alachamor. Okay. Bahia Mahalech. Me'aku. Now we know where that is. That, that's north of uh, yeah. Tel Aviv, right? Um, I'm not sure if that's in, if people know where that is anymore. Is there such a place in Israel that you've heard of, Kaziv? Um, maybe it's next to Mishmol. I'm not sure. Okay. There's probably been researchers who have found where Kaziv is. Okay, but that's where they were going. Now, Gamliel was on a donkey. They didn't have limos or stretch limos at that time. But that donkeys was... It wasn't considered a lack of kavod for the leader of the Sanhedrin to be going on a donkey. Now, Rabbi Lai. Rabbi Lai was walking after him. Now, Rabbi Lai, we know, I know that name. Kazib is a river, Kazib. I just remember when it was coming from. Rabbi Lai. What are you saying, Woody? No, there's a Nachal, Nachal Kaziv. Nachal Kaziv. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's somewhere near. Uh, obviously, one of the problems when I learn with Israelis is that they realize that not only is the language different, but, but, but the terms are different. And sometimes the cities are different. Right? In modern Israel, they're looking for a name. They found something in the Talmud that matches. But it might not necessarily be exactly that. Even B'nai Brak is probably not when you know when when, he, when the, the famous story in the Haggadah, or if B'nai Brak is mentioned in the Gemara, which it is, it probably is not on that piece of territory. Um, you know, it was it was from the Gemara suggested the name of a city, so it could be, but you never know. Sometimes there's enough tradition that we know it's that same place the Talmud was talking about. Now, Rabbi Loi. It's a name I'm familiar with. The famous Rabbi Yehuda, the student of Rabbi Akiva, his father was Eloi. So it could have been his father. Now, if that's true, then this tells me which Rabbi Gamliel this was as well. Because 
this was the not the original Rebbe Gamliel, but the second one, his grandson. This was the Gamliel who lived after the Korban. And if you remember, I once gave a shear how they deposed him. Remember once on Shruot, I gave a shear to you and some others about how he was uh, removed from office uh, briefly for an imperious nature. So that's if I'm right about Eloy, then I know which Rav Gamliel it is. Okay? So this was after the Korban. This, again, this is the way we, this is the detective work, the way you put things together. Okay? So Rebbe Eloy, if I'm right, is Yehuda's father. If it's Yehuda's father, it must be the generation right after the Korban. Okay? So Rav Gamliel is on a donkey. Eloi is walking after. Now, Udi, you can understand why Eloi doesn't have a donkey. Maybe he should have a donkey, but maybe there isn't enough. So to honor the the Rebbe, he walked. So Gamliel had more clubboat. He represented the whole nation in a way. So, But Eloi is sort of his shamus, right? And you'll see in the story. Matzah, here comes your neck of the wood. This is something you have a connection to. Motza gluskin baderech. Now you know the Aramaic word gluska'a, right? Udi, you've heard that? I don't know if it ever So gluska is like a big roll, a big challah of bread. Like a big a big um, like a oh. big uh, roll. Like a, like a sourdough roll or a, uh, a challah roll or a okay. shibata roll. It's like a glusko. Um, where the word comes from, I'm not sure, but but we know it's like a nice, nice piece of bread. So we're looking up the word glusko because it does come up in Shas a number of times, and it's a funny sounding word. And you can see from Jastro that it's it comes from it's glusko is actually a place called Lesbiachus, Lesbiaca, Klufsia. Um, somehow it's connected to the Isle of Lesbos. Um, so it's, I don't know why, uh, maybe because bread that come, came from there had a certain look. Um, and as you can see here, it was either a name of a type of flower, um, and they quote all these uh, Greek uh, connections here. Um, and now we have Udi or Atosefta, where it comes up, where it says an unbroken loaf of gluskin. Um, so gluskin is actually not a piece of bread, but it's actually, it's like a, a level of of excellence coming from the Isle of Lesbia, right? Right? Because it could it could mean fine flour. And you can see here that it also means um like the Gemara quotes in Psachim, the reason why you have to do bitl chametz is because you might find a gluskin. What does that mean? A real good looking piece of bread. Like, oh that it's like it's Pesach, but when you see such a beautiful piece of bread like that, you forget it's Pesach and you eat it. 
So that's what a glue skin is, something really top-of-the-line product. Mm-hmm. That's what a glue skin is. And you can see here, too, one of the other meanings of it is a superior sort of olives pressed when appearing in the market, which is called zese kluska. So you see the word kluska, gluska. Um, it's all Jastro and the others who have worked on this. It's not really what, what I told you before. Bread, it's a certain high quality of a type of item. Sometimes it's bread, sometimes it's olives. It's, it's the type of thing that's connected to, again, the island of Lesbos or something like that, where that stuff is of super high quality. So now that we know what the word means, and it's really fascinating to me, I didn't even know this. I always thought gluska meant a big, nice challah. Now I see from the work that the Aramaic scholars have done, that's actually a, a way of referring to anything which is really high quality. And it's the type of thing that may, might make you forget that it's Pesach, and you might just decide to eat the chametz because it's such high quality. So let's take a look now. Let's like, go back. Uh, like gashmak, gulskin. Gashmak. Like. It sounds like the word gashmak. Gluska, gluska. In other words, that's what they found. Gluska. Very fascinating, right? About what gluska is. So now we'll go back to our Gemara that uses the word gluska. It's right here. Matzah gluskin baderach. Pick up these gluskin. I thought it was bread. But maybe it was other gishmaka stuff. Maybe it was other really nice, expensive food items. Now, people did not have the, it was not the time of Corona. It was not the time people were so hygienic. So the fact that it was baderech didn't mean people stayed away from it. So Omar Lo, Gamliel said to him, who did he say it to? Eloi. He said to Eloi, and this is a quote, you put quotation marks here. Eloi, tu gluskin menaderech. Pick up what? Pick up those gluskin. Now, they might, it might have been bread, it might have been other olives, it might have been very fancy, good food items. Pick them up. Pick those items up. Okay. So Eloi did that. The price continues. All of a sudden, a, a nochri came by. Omar Lo, so who the Omar Lo is, would still be, who's the only one that's talking in the story? Gamliel, right? So that's how you know, Woody, that Omar Lo was also Gamliel. You sort of have to, you know, unlike a book, an English book that has quotation marks or a comic book, where you see the word balloon coming out of the guy's mouth, you have to somehow figure out in the Gemara who's talking. Just like in the Chumash, you sometimes have to figure out who's talking to, or in a puzzle. But I figured it out because who's the last person to talk? He's probably the next person to talk, right? In other words, the only one who talked here so far was Gamliel. And he told Eloi, pick that stuff up. And they found a guy. Omar Lo, he said to him, Mavgai. Now, Eloi was the Jew. We, and Gamliel knew his name. Or Gamliel knew his name. When the Nochri came, he said, Mavgai. And I'm just guessing how you put the Nikud here. Mavgai. 
take those gluskin from Eli. Take the gluskin from Eli. So what's going on, Udi? He's telling the guy. I want to pick up. I want to take it take, from take the, for him. In other words, let the guy take the stuff from his Jewish shamus. Yeah. Jewish shamus had a bunch of stuff in his hand. These gluskins, right? And now Mavgai shows up. This guy and and Gamil says, "Here, take that stuff from Eloi." So he takes it from him. All right. Now Gamil is up on the uh, on the donkey. Mavgai now Mavgai now has all the stuff that Eloi picked up. Nitpal lo Rabbi Eloi. Now, the low could be to Gamliel, but that doesn't sound right, because he's already walking behind him. The word nitzvah, you've probably heard this word before, Udi, it comes from the word tafel. Tafel means like secondary to, like there's the ikar and the tafel, right? Like, for example, you know, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I was walking my dog, and you came out, and we took a walk. So you were nitzvah. I was walking, and you wanted to talk to me a little bit. That's called nitzvah. Doesn't mean you're doesn't mean that you're less than I am, but it means I'm doing my thing, and you're like sort of like hanging on with me for a little bit. That's what happened over here. Nitzvahlo, Rabbi Loy, meaning Rabbi Loy decided to become. Like to start walking a little bit and to engage someone. It wasn't Gamliel, it was the guy. Well, that's a good question that you ask somebody the first time you see him. It's a way to break the ice, right? Hey, where are you from? So he told him back. So we have the word burganin. Look, we've already have our jastro open. So why don't we go look and see what it means? So jastro, where's the jastro? It's back here on this page. So as we see from jastro, as I saw, a burgany is like a resident. In other words, what does a station house mean? You don't live there, but this is the this is a spot where people come into town. This is where the conductor lives. This is like where the train stops. This is where everybody gets off the um, uh, the Agala. Like it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a doorman. It's a greater community. Right. That's, a doorman. Right. That's where the doorman. Exactly. That's what Borgany is. Right? Uh, and and uh, a Borgany is, is, is usually not with a city. So if that's true, let's go back to our Gemara just for a minute. Maybe it was, a, it's funny because Ayarot is a city and Burgenen is sort of not where the city is. But maybe. Yeah, maybe it's gated communities. Yeah, or, right, yeah, it could be a community it could of be, those. It could be like certain areas. But, uh, it could be, it was originally a farm area and they had Burgenens there. And then they said, hey, there's so many people out here. Why don't we live here? That could be what happened. Anyway, that's Ayarot Shoburganin. Okay. So now we know where Magvai, 
We now it says Mashimcha. What is your name? Funny, usually you ask people their name first, but maybe not. I think probably usually hey, where are you from? Hey, what's your name? So he said, Mavgai Shmani. I'm not sure what Shmani is, um, but I guess that's his complete name. Mavgai Shmani. I guess he gave him two names. Then he says, Did you ever know Rav Gamliel? Because he knew your name. I didn't ever met him. I never saw this man. So, Rav Gamliel, how did he know? He never met this man. This guy shows up and Gamliel says, Hey, Magvai. And I guess it wasn't a common name. It's not like, uh, you know, Ivan in Russian. It wasn't like Ivan. It was somewhat of a, of, of, of an unusual name. And he said to him, he knew his name. So Rabbi Loi says, I, I realized that my Rebbe isn't just a great scholar, but he has Ruach HaKodesh. But it, okay. Now, Anu means, of course, we learned. Now, we might have been Eloi, speaking as the royal we. And he says, I, in other words, from this story, Lamadnu, he might change this to Lamadni, I learned. But Lamadnu, maybe there were other people traveling with him. Shekiven Rav Gamliel Beruach HaKodesh. Rav Gamliel had the intent, when he concentrated with Kavona, he had the, the Holy Spirit. And that's how he knew his name. Um, so I've asked, uh, I, I didn't record it, but I, I asked uh, our, our listen, the, the people here listening live, had they any indicators of people with Ruach HaKadosh? And both of them uh, described um, incidents either that they knew about or in, the, in their family or let's say in the last, you know, not, not so recent past or sometimes even in the recent past. And uh, we find this, of course, in the Kiddush world, the idea of a, being a, a, a Baruch HaKadosh. And I believe in it as well. What I find interesting, this Gemara, before we get to the halachic part, and I think it is important, is that, you know, Rabbi Loi knew Rabbi Gamliel was the head of the Sanhedrin, right? And he also knew that Rabbi Gamliel was, had a, uh, there was other people there. There was, there was Rabbi Yeshua and Hananya. There was Rabbi Lezer ben Hurkinus. Uh, there was Rabbi Akiva. Uh, one of the students of Shem Yochai. So, you know, it's like you would think everybody's got Ruach HaKadosh, right? Um, that, like normally, like if you could take a time machine and go back, you'd say every single Tana, right? Wow. I, I, like, it's like, it's like when I was in New York for the first time in, uh, 1970, the first time I, I went to New York, I was like, like this little boy looking up at all these skyscrapers and walking walking around the streets of Manhattan. Like I, I was like, "Wow, look! I can't believe it!" You know, and like, you know, the big, the, the tallest building I ever seen was like fifteen stories, twenty stories. You would assume uh, if we could go back in time, that's the way we would be about the Tanoim. Every single one of them is like a fire. Every single one of them is Eish Kodesh. So it's interesting that. 
I learned that now the Rav Gamliel was Machabin Baruch HaKadosh, right? Um, right? When you, I guess you would, you, you would normally think everybody had Baruch HaKadosh, right? That, that's one little point. And like, did they think Rav Gamliel was worse than Rav Yeshua, Rav Elizabeth Urkinus, or Rav Akiva, or Rav Elizabeth Azai, or anybody else that was around? Or Rav Eloy probably was familiar with? Um, I guess that's one thing that that's my point. The second thing is something that uh, Sheila said a minute ago, and I want to just expand on that and, and, and just talk a little bit about it. You know, she was saying if anybody is sort of there's Ruach Hakodesh, and there's your your role and Gamliel's role was was in fashioning Jewish law, not just for his time, but in many ways for our time and for all time. So when you are put in that role of being the head of the Sanhedrin, leading, Toscaning, putting down things that will be studied for hundreds and hundreds of years, I think, Shul, your point was, it's almost like the Rabbanu Shalom is always going to grant you Ruach HaKadosh because, right, the Siata is right. Siata Dishmaya. You're always going to get it if that's your place to have. Right. But, to but, help others. you Obviously, you have to be significant, worthy enough for it, but Okay, but but so you would so your point is really a question. Your point is everybody. In other words, if you're if, if potentially, yeah. <laughs> well, the question is, what do you mean? Of course, he had Ruach Hakodesh. Everything that they did was was in a higher state. They were the most important yeah. organ of of, of 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 Judaism. Again, there are a lot of people learning Torah, but who was actually crafting and fashioning what was going to be the law for the whole Jewish people? The only people who were doing that were the people in Yavna, like Rav Gamliel and the others. So you're saying that that, that, that in itself is Ruach HaKadosh. But you see from the Gemara that that's not true, right? You see from the Gemara that there's, knowing Mavgoy's name is sort of like not essential, is it, right? Right. right. Knowing Mavgoy's name, you could have said, hey, sir, mister, right? <laughs> Somehow, right? Kivan Rav Gamliel Baruch HaKadosh. Maybe he always had Ruach HaKodesh, but this is like super Ruach HaKodesh. Or maybe maybe we're wrong about Ruach HaKodesh. Maybe when it comes to learning, that's human beings being holy, but not necessarily some ma- it magically comes into their brain. In other words, it comes through work, hard work, figuring it out, using the, the mind, seeing the options having good common sense to decide what halacha works, looking at empirical evidence, being honest, going back to the Pusik, figuring out what the language is, figuring out where the hint is. of the And that might just be good, solid, completely given over mental work that leads to sometimes lightning-like understandings that everybody says, oh, it hit me like a lightning bolt, right? A lot of people say, talk about that. You, 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 you try to figure something out, and then something starts to come together. So, I, you know, it, it, it would be a little bit of a, a reach to call that Ruach HaKodesh. Right? Now, this, however, we're calling Ruach HaKodesh. A couple of days ago, Sheila, we talked about the other side of the coin, the Ayin Hara, right? So it's interesting. Here we have Ruach HaKodesh. 
which is a term that we hear a lot. We hear a lot about giving the Ayin Hara today, and we hear a lot about people who have Ruach HaKadosh today, uh, at least in some circles. Interesting how this Gemara really um, talks, you know, again, within a couple of lines, we have both ideas mentioned. Okay. And three things, Lamadnu. And, and again, the, the first thing is not a Dovar. Let me, let me make it. In other words, the fact that we are Ruach HaKadosh, that's not a Dovar. I mean, what are you going to do with that? The Rukhamil was Machabar Ruach Okay, his halacha is still the same halacha, right? We're not going to give more credence to his halacha because now we know he had superpowers. So, but isn't, but, but, but that is something, I guess, knowing who your Rebbeim are is, check, Okay, that's what I lamadnu. I learned that. I don't, again, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> his Godel card is worth more on eBay now, right? So, again, you know, uh, but it's not a Dover. I don't know if you hear the subtlety of what I'm saying. It's not a Dover. Lamadnu. Uh, we happen to have learned that Rav Gamilad was Kivan Ruach HaKadosh. But there's three things which are actually things to learn from and teach over. One of them, Shein Mavir and Allah As we explained yesterday, what that means is that um, that uh, you don't let food sit there. You pick it up. You're not Mavir, right? Over means to pass by, right? Averayam, the other side of a river, of a lake. Um, Ivri, Chazal say means that you're on the other side. Over means to pass over and get there. If a person does an Avera, he actually doesn't get involved in doing the mitzvah, so he's been over. He's been, either he's gone into the dark side by doing Avera or not fulfilling what he could do as a mitzvah, so he hasn't gone there. He's been, he's decided to just be selfish and be over. That's why the word over, so in the same way, you can't just be in your own little bubble and not take cognizance of food that's there. As I said yesterday, it's on the record, that, you know, again, they, they weren't so worried about hygiene as we are today. And, you know, it's not like it was full of maggots. The food was takeable. So he took it. Now, holech here means not that we walk, but that we mentally assume what happened. In other words, here you have the word holech, even though there, as you can see here, that it says a couple lines before, mahalech, the word holech here doesn't mean the same thing. Here, mahalech, where you see where I'm putting the cursor, means to actually walk. Here, holech here means to mentally, well, I don't know if mental is the right word, but you know, in, in thinking about it, deciding, determining is like walking, although you're just doing it in your head. You're determining what's true. Okay. A rove. Rove means, as you know, most. Most of the ovreidrochen. Once again, over is to pass by and you're on the road. Indicating that, so let's see, what does it have to do with picking stuff up that they found? It must be, of course, that stuff has to come from someplace. Where does it come from? It comes from, where does it come from? From people. 
Well, who are those people? So those people are people who are traveling this road. Okay. Um, let's take a look at Rashi. Why? Because what are we determining on those people? Right? So let's take a look. We're going to start with this Rashi. A Mavirin. I'll go with this Rashi first. Mavgai Shamni. In other words, Shamni means that's my name. So Shamni is not his second name. <laughs> Shamni is saying Shame Shali. Okay, so I got that wrong. I thought maybe his name was, you know, Mavgai Shamni. But Shamni means Shame Me, Shemni. Okay, so we're going to do these two Rashis now. Ein Mavirin Oloklin and Shahokan Acherov Ovri Drochin. Okay, so Ein Mavirin Oloklin. Let's try the Rashi. Amotzi Ochlin Badera. Eino Rishoi La'avor Aleyan. Okay. So that is La'avor. La'avor means if you find them in the road, you can't just keep on going. And keep on going means La'hanichon Shom, to let them stay there. You have to pick them up and guard them from more people, animals, and others trampling on them. Okay. You have to show a covet for the food. Uh-oh. That took us out of here. But, holchen acherov over drachen. So let's try this Rashi. It's all in, mostly Aramaic. Let's try to do it. Midilo shorilei warabiloi lamichlinu deachsakinu becheskat pitan shonochrim. That's your Aramaic. Now here's your Hebrew. Okay. The Hebrew part's easy to translate. I- I'm going to go to the Hebrew first when I have a Rashi like this. Sherov ovrei drochen nochrimei. She, that, most of the people that are traveling are non-Jews. In Eretz Yisrael at that time, after the Corbin, especially on that road, they were mostly non-Jews. Okay, now that you know that, this third line, which is in Hebrew, Let's go back to the two Aramaic Aramaic lines. Okay, so good job on the translation from the fact that uh, Rabbi Loy was did, did not get a heter. Shari Lay means Gamil didn't give a heter to Eloy to eat it. Why? The Achsachin who becheskat piton shonochrim. So Achsachinu is them, plural. This word, of course, achzakinu, is chazoka. There's a chazoka about them. Again, a kigamara word that comes up all over Shas, a chazoka. Comes from the word strong, same word, chazak. That's what they told Yoshua, chazak ve'ematz, right? Um, the Maraglim also said, right? Chazoki mimeni, right? I think so. Um, so, Chazak, which means to be strong, can also be a figurative strength. In other words, I know this to be true. Achzakino, I have a chazaka, because it's firmly clear to me that this is the case, that these things are firmly, strongly assumed, because assumptions are strong that people make, and they have a right to make an assumption based on looking at what they see in front of them and what they know. People have things that are chazaka. 
So when I see this bread, these breads, this good stuff, becheskas piton shalnochrim, I have a chazoka that this is bread from an anju. And bread from an anju, bread from a non-Jew would be also to eat. Now, why would bread from a non-Jew be also to eat? Um, if the bread came out of the truck of a non-Jew or of a donkey and it fell here and it's still in good shape, why would a bread of a non-Jew be also to eat? Because it doesn't have a heksher, right? Uh, um, uh, well, pas okum is different from pas palter. So, so if you have a anything that's cooked by a goy without any um in, without any assurance or a yid being there, you know, the assumption is that anything could be in it, right? Okay. Also, as well as the fact that you you know could lead to intermarriage. Oh. Okay, so Sheila, you've done two things over here. Thank you. So, which is really where I was going on this, because even if the bread is totally kosher, there's an idea of not accepting bread that came from a non-Jew, right? Accepting bread that came from a non-Jew, which is called pas nochri or pas akum. And again, there's a, there's a pro, again, obviously, even a nochri, who's not, you're not supposed to intermarry with, and that's what we're afraid of. That's right. There, there, there's, there's, there's the xera of leading to intermarriage, which is taking food, which is a, a binder. Food binds you with the person who you gave, who gives you the food. And because of that, we talked about it how when we were doing the Gemara and Bates and other places, you might remember how when you eat food that's given to you by a non-Jew, that makes you closer to that non-Jew. And therefore, the rabbis uh, issued a decree against that, even though the food is 100% kosher. And there's another idea that maybe who knows what's in it. Um, it's not clear what Rashi means here. Um, when Rashi says, right? Um, so because it sounds like he's talking about pas nochri, not necessarily that the food's not kosher, but that it came from a goy, right? Pas palter, like sort of. So pas palter is. So let me explain what pas palter is. A palter is a baker. Uh, and the idea was that it's one thing if, you know, the lady next door sends you this beautiful roll. The non, Mrs. McGillicuddy sends you this beautiful roll. And it's from a present from her. So there you have an issue of, of, of interconnectedness. And isn't that what we're discussing here? Right, 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 right. Well, Palter, though, let me just explain since you asked the question. Palter is, hey, it's, it's from a baker. He's not, you don't, you don't want you to become his friend. You're paying for it. This is what's done commercially. So for many years, especially in the United States and in many places in Europe, people, there was a, many Jews were not mocked, but on Pas Akum. In other words, pas nochri, because they said, I'm eating pas palter, right? Arnold's bread, uh, other breads that are produced um, for large grocery chains, those are all called pas palter. Why? Because even though, because you know they're kosher, there is a mashkocha there, they see what was going on. And even though the company is owned by non-Jews, it's palter. Now, it doesn't have to be a company. 
It could also be your local baker, which is the way many Jews bought bread. Many Jews in Europe and in the time of Chazal, possibly, uh, bought bread from non-Jews, non-Jewish bakers, because it was pas paltar. And paltar, because they knew some, they knew what was there. They knew what was the, the baker used in the material. But it, it, it was a loophole in the Gezeira against pas nochri, because there is no personal connection here. The, the, you're paying for it and Again, you know, he's not, he wants you to come and buy in the shop. He doesn't want you to meet his daughter. He doesn't want your son to meet his daughter. So that's what there. Now, but if it's non-kosher, of course. My sense is, is that now what the Kiddush of this Gemara is, in my mind, is that you don't even see the guy. It's still awesome. It's not from a baker. It's something, you didn't get it from a big uh, uh, manufacturer. What happened here? You got the bread. You got the bread from, it was lying here. You don't know, and you probably will never know the person who did it. Still, it's called Pasnach, where you have to stay away from it. Do you know what I'm saying, Sheila and Ephraim? In other words? Yes, yes. So it's a Chiddush here. Now, if you say, oh, it's Becheskus that it, that it was Treif, Rashi should say, Becheskus, that the guy put some pig in it because it came from a goy. Rashi says, no, it's also because it came from a goy. But not because goys put pig, because he's a goy. And there's exer against eating stuff that a goy made. Otherwise, Rashi would say it's becheskus not kosher because it's becheskus that what's in there is some sort of pig schmaltz because, because, because you don't know what the goy put in there. Right? Now, it could be that's what Rashi means. But Rashi is missing a word or two, if that's what he means. The simple shot is, is that the Gzeira of Pasanochri was still applicable. And Rabbi Gamliel was not like, Rabbi Loy were not like the people that were Mako in Europe and in other places. They should be Makhbet on this Allah. And therefore they should be Makhbet on Pasanochri. And, and, and they can assume it is from Anochri. Okay? That's the simple shot in Rashi. So, okay. So, and, and why do you know it's from Anachri? Because Rove tells you it's from Anachri. So we have a Rove, which basically is like a Chazaka. The Rove allows you to have this Chazaka about this stuff. So it's Osir de Rabbanon to eat that bread. There's still a mitzvah to pick it up. Okay. That's why you give it to a guy. And he gives it to this guy. Mav guy. What's the last halach? Hmm. So now we know that it was chametz. It wasn't a matzah of a nochri. That's the probably the goy that it fell from. Because I guess during Pesach, even if there's ochel there, right, <laughs> you're not going to pick it up. During Pesach, because that would be actually being over in Avera. Like if they were traveling during Pesach and they found this bread there, so even though, oh, we can't let that bread spoil, well, you can't, but there's an Isra Daraisa of owning Chomets, right? So, um, maybe you could pick it up and put it on the side that people shouldn't trample it. But, you know, it sounds like we don't know if he just, just picked it up and one minute later the guy showed up. It sounds like Eloy was Zoha in it, right? 
that's what he tells him, Tul Guskin Menaderech, which sounds like he actually makes a Kenyan in it. So it couldn't happen. It couldn't be that it was going on Pesach. But what was it? It must be from the way the Gemara describes this, from the way Rabbi Loy makes this Maiserav, that was happened after Pesach. But after Pesach, it was Chometz Acher Pesach. Okay. So you're picking up Chometz Acher Pesach. And now that the robe tells you we came from a Goy, right? A Goy doesn't need to sell Chometz. And we know he didn't. It's still Mutter Bahano. It's mutter for you to get hanor from. Okay. As opposed to what? As opposed to chametz from a Jew that didn't sell. It's also bahanor. Okay. What's the hanor? Where do you see that anybody got hanor from it except Magvoy? Sheila? Well, well they are, the, the hanor of, um, they have a schus to help you out. They have the schus of the chesed. That happens, you know, like it's when you lose a, a penny in the street and the poor man finds it, you get the schus of tzedakah. Okay, so, so the hano, all right, so the hano is, the hano is what? The hano is that, that you did a good deed and that the, uh, that, that you're able to give it to some poor guy who needed to eat. That's called hano. Uh huh. <laughs> you don't really well, believe that. That's that. Well, well, is that that? Doesn't that come like basar v'chalav? You aser That means you cannot even give it away to uh, to someone who needs to eat, who can eat it, because it's you're getting a schus for it. You're not about to give basar v'chalav. You have to just destroy basar v'chalav. You well, you can't get enough from it, so you can't. Give oh, it okay. So you're saying okay. So you're saying it better now. In other words, it, it, it's the pleasure you get. From the fact that you can now feed someone, right? Pleasure or tzedakah or the schus. Or the mitzvah. In other words, if there's the mitzvah, a mitzvah. You don't even have to know. If you put it out there and someone takes it and you don't know who took it, but they help, they're helped by it. You get the. So you can't, you're, you're saying, Sheila, if you have Basar Bukholov, that yeah. you can't just stick it on the side of the road and, and someone can come and get it. Well, the question is, is if you, can you, that's the question I always said. How do you abandon it so it's not considered a gnaw by you can't directly give it? Maybe you could abandon it. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure the halacha. But okay. Okay. So in other words, the fact you that you the, give fa- it. the fact that through you by picking it up and saving this thing and now putting it on the side of your road and now this poor guy who knows they can sometimes find food uh, at your door comes there and gets it. That's not, even though you're the vehicle of somebody eating, it's not a direct schus for you. And therefore, there's no hano. And even though we say, yeah, generally mitzvah slav right? You can be mutter hano from someone and still teach them Torah, right? Because, because the, right, it's not considered like you, you gave the person hano because you're mekayim a mitzvah. So I'm not sure, even if you actually get the mitzvah of tzedakah, I don't think that's called Hanav from an object. Um, right, let's take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Tovis Tovis So that word comes up in Shas a lot, right? The word Tovis Hanav. And Tovis Hanav means 
the right to determine who you're giving something to. Um, right? We say that a person has tovas hano, when he has truma, he has the tovas hano, even though the Baal can't eat the truma. If you're a Yisro, you have the tovas hano, who you're going to give it to. Now you can sometimes, as you remember, Sheila, in the time, if this is new to you, you can sometimes even get paid for that tovas hano, because someone can come to you and say, can you give that Truma to my grandson. I'm not a client, but my grandson is. I don't know. I usually give to Jack Cohen down the street. Yeah, okay, but can't you give it to Yanko Katz, my grandson? I could. What? But I usually like giving it to Jack Cohen. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, I'll give you three bucks if you give it to Yanko Katz. Okay, I'll take the three bucks. That's the Tovis Hano. That's a commodity. A Tovis Hano that you have the right to choose, which can be uh, monetized as a value and Tobasano allows that that's enough of a value that you can get paid for it because you can make that determination. Okay, so what's the Hano? The Hano is you can determine which guy you want to give it to or the fact that you're giving it to this guy. Tobasano Lenochri. Ika Tobasano Lenochri. So you have now gotten Hano from it. Because you've, right? It's a, it's, right? You see what Rashi said? Rashi doesn't say like you, Sheila, that it's the, right. that it's the mitzvah. In other words, the, he was able so to. You're able to give it to the person you want to because that greases the wheels in your relationship in some way. So that's your ana. Well, whatever it gets, it's something that you have the right to, to do. In other words, whether it's something you could get paid for, and you're right, Magvai might now decide, oh, I love Gamliel. I'm going to go help him paint his house now when I see him doing that, right? Or I'm going to give him a, whatever it is, you're right. It, it could create a benefit, the social benefit of this. You're going to give, you have to give it to someone, right? In other words, right. they can't destroy the food because that's the whole point. Right? They can't just right. oh, pick it up and, 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 and destroy it. They're going to, and obviously throwing it away would be the same thing as where it was. So they're going to have to give it to someone. They have to give it to a guy. They can't give it to a Jew. Since mm-hmm. they have to give it to a guy, the guy that they choose is a value. Deciding this guy over that guy and giving it to this guy, there's a benefit that you got from it, right? In, in fact, that you made that choice and Gamriel, the guy that they found, they give it to Magda. And that Gamriel was getting Hana in a way or exercising the Hana by choosing Magda. And, and giving it to him. And that's called, mm-hmm. a, that is called the Tovas Hano that, that mm-hmm. he got from it. Something he could have, he, you know, he, in other words, he could have, he, he could have. He you have have input. You have, you have control in some way. Over right. it. Well, he could have said, hey, I've got this stuff. Who wants to have the right to choose which guy? And, and, and mm-hmm. we could have gotten money for that. That's a value that he exercised by giving, by choosing a guy and giving it to him. Now, maybe Magvoy will do a favor for him. Maybe he won't. Now, we know you're not really supposed to. Let me just finish off with this of crime, so don't leave yet. We know you're not supposed to um, uh, give Goyim presents. But over here, there's no other option, right? You got to give it to a guy. So since you could give it to any guy and you choose this guy, so Rashi's saying that's the Tovas Hano, that in a sense was exercising a benefit. He, now, Gamil didn't get money for it, which would have been in the bottom, but but you see that he exercised something he could have gotten paid for. So that, 
that means that that means he got Hanav from it. What he did through this bread that he picked up was something that could have given him money, right? So therefore, we say he got Hanav. It's a little bit more mechanical than the way you explained it, Sheila, right? Do you hear how it's a little bit different? It isn't just he did a, a mitzvah of tzedakah with it. Right. He has a more practical... Um, Rashi says it's tobas hanah. And tobas or defines it as hanah. Mitzvah, it wouldn't be a, necessarily an issue. Because mitzvah, we say mitzvah slavuhenes mitzvah. Whether it's a mitzvah to give to this guy or not, I don't know. Right, that's another thing. Or it's a doctor, or the schos, the way you said it. But here, Rashi said it's tobas hanah, and tobas hanah is, is, is a value. Ephraim, don't leave you. I'm just going to go one more thing. Because what did it have to do with the discussion about being drunk? So, um, well, you know what? We'll leave it for tomorrow. I think this was a, uh, I hope I whetted your appetite. I know I'm, I'm looking for some good. good myself as well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 